All right, libertarians, how do we cope with being a libertarian in a world that is overtly against us? Well, at least that's what it seems like. Let's talk about that. Instead of focusing on winning arguments, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and marketing and how we can use them to win in the world of politics, teaching you how to meet people where they're at on the issues they care about. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Well, hey there, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. Thank you for joining us on, of course, another fun-filled episode. I am, always, your humble host, joining you live from our BNC studios here in lovely eastern Indiana. Folks, the recession is right around the corner. I was just on the uh, phone here with a customer. They said, my customers are starting to uh, feel the pinch. I don't know what to do. Well, if you're in a situation just like that, well, here's what you need to do. Go email me, brian at briannicholsconsulting.com because we're going to go ahead, sit down, walk through your sales strategies, your messaging, and we're going to help you be prepared to face this recession head on because if you're not, well, I promise your competitors will. Again, email me, brian at briannicholsconsulting.com. So, Let's kick things off today. We have a returning guest, a guest I am so, so excited to have back here on the show. It's been a little bit since he was on the program, and today we're going to talk specifically about being a libertarian in what seems to be a not really friendly to libertarian world. Joining us once again on the program from the great Free the People, Matt Kibbe. Welcome back to The Brian Nichols Show. Hey, Brian. Great great to see you. Great to have you back on, Matt. It's been a little bit since we've connected. You were saying before we hit the record button... You and Terry have been flying all over God's green earth. You uh, were out in Lisbon and you were out in Serbia. What's been going on in the world of Matt Kibbe there? So we, we're trotting out this new, uh, Terry and I talk, give these talks together now, and it's you know half uh, uh, couples squabbling, working out their issues on stage. But but we like the the, the boy-girl dynamic, and, and we trotted out a new uh, talk called Be the Living, which is a riff on... Ayn Rand's first big novel, We the Living. And it's kind of my version of a positive, upbeat, liberty-based version of, of Jordan Peterson, because we just went through these three years of, of miserable tyranny. People telling you, governments telling you, you can't even leave your house and what you can and can't do to your body and whether or not you're essential or non-essential. And, and w- one of the results of that was, was a lot of broken people, a lot of uh, depression, alcoholism you know the numbers it's it's horrific and I've, I've been really pissed off about that stuff but the flip side of that and and i've been doing it to myself so i thought i might share it with other people is is basically our version of how do you live a free life in an unfree world and how do you not let the bastards get you down how do you continue to achieve and strive and succeed and fail and and find joy in life even when the government and the you know, faceless bureaucrats don't want you to. So that was that was kind of the gist of our message, and we're we're building it into something. I don't know where it's going to go. It, it, these were test pilots. Gotcha. And Matt, you you've obviously been on the show before, but for the audience here who maybe did not catch your older episodes, you are the head of Free the People, and you guys focus on telling stories specifically in the world of our liberty senses and and bringing a lot of solutions to the table. And I, I love what you guys are doing, but I realized in terms of having you on the show, we've never really gotten to know 
the Matt Kibbe story, your kind of worldview and, and also your your path through this greater libertarian movement, liberty movement. So I thought today would be a great chance to get to know you more as a person, but also kind of your your world and in politics and get a little bit more of your perspective. So I guess to start things off, talk to us about what was it that was the moment you realized that you were not necessarily with this red team, blue team, but more so somewhere in the middle and, and focusing specifically on the world of liberty. Yeah, I have a, um, in some ways a typical story, in other ways a, a freakishly strange story, because I um, was reading the liner notes on a Rush album, uh, an album called 2112, when I was about 13 years old. And and if you know this album, if you don't know this album, you need to. But if you if you know this album, you know that it's dedicated to the genius of Ayn Rand. And I had no idea who that guy was. But the album and the music and particularly the lyrics, which is about this dystopian world where where the priests in a temple are dictating every aspect of your life, what you can read and what you can listen to, music, everything. And and I, I really connected with that. But her name stuck with me. And I found an old beat up copy of Anthem at a garage sale <laughs> um, again, probably when I was 13. And I, I devoured it like people do. And I went on this quest to find all of her stuff, which I eventually did. And in her one of her nonfiction books, she says, if you want to understand economics, read Ludwig von Mises. So I was strangely reading Mises in high school. <laughs> um, and my dad got transferred to a small town called Grove City, Pennsylvania. Um, I didn't want to go to college. I wanted to be a woodworker dads really want their sons to go to college. He won that debate. So I'm like, fine, I'll go there. And it was Grove City College. And Grove City College just happened to have one of the students of Ludwig von Mises chairing the economics department, a professor named Hans Senholtz. So eventually I stumbled into that. Um, the, the reason I like to tell that story is that it wasn't, um, it wasn't a white paper. It wasn't an economics lecture. Um, it wasn't uh, a book like Human Action that turned me on to these ideas. It was music and then a really compelling short story. So that's that's very much influenced my life over the years. I started off wanting to be an academic. I was a graduate uh, student at George Mason University. But once I wrote my first Wall Street Journal op-ed, I realized that 800 words, one, it's it's pretty hard to boil your ideas down to 800 words, and two, you could reach a much broader audience. So fast forward to what we do today, we, we produce videos because that's how people, particularly young people, consume information. And, I, and we think a powerful story can turn on um, a whole new generation to these, to these values. And eventually, like there's, there's breadcrumbs there, eventually they might start to read the novels that turn me on, and maybe, maybe they, they even read the Austrian economists that I love so much. But, but I think for for most people, it's going to be an emotionally compelling story, and something that that connects with them viscerally instead of beating people over the head with these these intellectual arguments and data and graphs and all this thing, all these things that libertarians I think make a mistake by fixating on. The rush to uh, Ayn Rand rabbit hole, I guess, is real. Um, yeah. <laughs> not something a lot of folks ever thought they'd hear uttered on a podcast, but I guess that kind of goes to Matt 
it, it speaks to what works, right? When we're reaching out to folks and we've talked about this many a time, both you on my show, me on your show, and that is the idea of storytelling, of using what we know in the world of sales and marketing works in business and bringing it to the world of politics. And the same thing is true there, trying to put yourself in your customer's shoes, meet them where they're at on the issues they care about, and not trying to force feed your ideas, your beliefs down their throat, but rather trying to understand where are they, what's their problems, and how can we best help fix it, which goes to my next question, and that is, and I kind of have an idea of where your head's at, but I want to hear maybe a little bit more in detail. Right now, we're in 2023 as we're recording today, and there's a lot of things in our world that definitely are not going in a pro-liberty direction, so what would you say are some of the main issues we as libertarians or just folks in the greater liberty movement should be spending our time focusing on? And now, a word from our sponsors. E-A-B-L-E-S. Ebels. Remember that name because if you suffer from chronic joint and muscle pain like me, then Ebels Broad Spectrum CBD Oil is your answer to your prayers. Ebels is truly a game changer in the natural alternatives to big pharma drugs. And yours truly can indeed vouch for the quality of Ebels. Having a herniated disc in my back, coupled with years of sports injuries, I was struggling to find something, anything to help manage my pain. That is until Ebels. And right now, Ebels is offering a special discount to all members of the Brian Nichols Show audience on all orders. All you have to do is head to Ebels.com and use promo code TBNS. That's it. Discount applied. Again, Again, the code is TBNS at checkout to start managing your pain today with the highest quality CBD on the market. One more time, that is code TBNS at checkout. So I think, um, I mean, I, I mentioned earlier how angry I was, and I'm sure we've talked about this on the last time we were together, that the, the human destruction and collateral damage caused yes, by, by lockdowns in, in a very practical level, not not just a philosophical level where where government decided who was essential and non-essential, which is is morally repugnant, yeah. but it just on a practical level, people at the at the lowest rungs of the economic ladder, people at the margins of society were destroyed by that. And I could go on and on for like five hours about about how angry that makes me. But I think the the opportunity is to to help people come up with a with a set of practical tools that they can use to lift themselves out of that. you know, maybe they're, maybe they're, maybe they've been really damaged by, by all of this, particularly a lot of young people who were screwed out of um, their high school and college educations are struggling with that. And I, I think there's, there's kind of a, a self helpy kind of perspective that Liberty gives you that, that responsibility when you look in the mirror, that if, if you want to fix your life, you got to do it for yourself. Nobody else gives a damn. If you don't care about yourself, no one's going to care about you for you. You're not going to get that dignity as AOC likes to suggest from a government program or a handout or anything else. It's the struggle to accomplish something and achieve something. And, and that's not like, that's not like a conservative thing or a liberal thing. That's just a people thing. That's what make people tick. And, and I think we should make that a beautiful thing. Work shouldn't be a dirty word. Work should be this beautiful thing that, that you, you struggle and, and, and you, you accomplish something and you feel good about it. Um, so I, I think that, that whole, uh, that whole genre of, of helping people fix themselves, even in an unfree world, um, we need to, we need to balance these things because you and I, we fight for freedom all the time and we see all of these horrible things happening. 
Um, the economy is, is being destroyed by government policies. And, and we could go on and on about the horrible things, but, but people still have to live their lives and, and we need yep. to find that balance. So you, you touched on it a little bit. There's a lot of criticisms we hear and it's, it's a lot of misconceptions, I would say. So part of what we talk about in the sales world is not necessarily overcoming objections, but rather addressing concerns. So what would you say are some of the top misconceptions or concerns that folks outside of the liberty movement bring to the table when we say, well, here's this brand new idea you maybe had never heard about called libertarianism or this you know idea of just not hurting people, not taking their stuff. Great book, by the way. What are some of those uh, misconceptions that you hear and what are some of the best ways we can address them? I, I think the the biggest uh, caricature of libertarians and and certainly Ayn Rand gets this and, and maybe she stepped into leaned into it a little bit is that libertarianism is all about caring about yourself. Um, and I don't think that's true. But I also think that if you don't care about yourself, you're not going to be any damn use to anybody else. Bingo. And I think I think the basis of community is individuals and the basis of mutual respect is, again, respecting yourself enough to to work with somebody else and accomplish some something so much bigger than yourself. So I, I I tend to lean on the community side of things and the beautiful things that we could do together through voluntary cooperation, um, because I think we have the rage against the machine. Am I being detained thing nailed? I think we got that one, but we haven't yet convinced people that that these these free individuals that are responsible and striving to succeed for themselves. This is the these are the building blocks that build for a better society for for everybody. After the past three years, right? We we just saw, and you you touched on it. Just the the overreach, the the tyranny, the being labeled essential versus non essential, which I still can't believe happened. It seems that as much as we fight and we we tell stories and we try to bring more people on board, that. Despite all that, there is still so many folks out there, Matt, who they're just, they're willing to do what they're told. And I guess as a libertarian, that's so concerning, but also so frustrating for me because we do preach the ideas of self-reliance, of, as you mentioned, trying to better yourself. But I guess for those people out there who they do look to be told what to do, do you think that they're a lost cause or do you think that there's an opportunity for us to speak to them, we just haven't figured out the the right what the right cadence, whatever it may be, to to enter into their world. I I I believe that there's a little bit of libertarian in everybody, and I know that. And I and I'm, I'm, by the way, I'm going to debate uh, Jeremy Kaufman on this point at Porkfest this summer. Um, and I think we're people are quite complicated. So there's a there's our rational side, there's our libertarian. Let me live my own life. Let me think for myself. But then there's all of our fears and insecurities and emotions. And that's one big package. And so you could look at everybody. Everybody's a little bit different on, on what, what they emphasize. Um, maybe it is um, emotions that drive most people instead of, instead of reason or economic logic. I think that's obviously true, but there's nothing wrong with that. That's just what how humans, that's how humans tick, right? So I think, again, like if we're engaging people on the debates about lockdowns, we need to not just argue that that the government has no moral right to tell me what to do. We need to point out the practical reasons why uh, 
um, why prohibiting people from working is bad for their everything, for their health, starting with their health. You can't actually lock down economies and and expect people to have health care. And, and we, we can now see the collateral damage. It's very difficult to make those arguments when people are afraid. Yep. So I think part of part of what we need to do is point out the the very nefarious motives of of some of the the government actors in this case and some of the mad science that they were engaged in. It's it really is. Um, I think this entire episode can be explained by the the first season of Stranger Things. You have this clandestine government agency um, trying to stop a real or um, created enemy, the Soviet Union, and in the process, they unleash hell on Earth. I think literally. that's exactly, it's literally what happened to us um, during COVID. And and I, I just had, I'm thinking about this because I had uh, Senator Rand Paul on my podcast this morning. It hasn't been released yet, but we're talking about this, this recent, couple days ago, Fauci did this long interview in the New York Times. And what, what a, what an arrogant, fatally conceited guy that is um i don't i don't i don't think he set out to to kill millions of people but i think that's what he did and i think we should hold him accountable and let me ask you matt to to that fauci question specifically because as easy as it is for us to see that and and the implications of what he did there are still so many people who they don't think we should question him at all that he was an expert. He was given the data and the information he had at the time. And Matt, he was just trying to do what he thought was best to help protect people. But the science changes, Matt. What what can we do to those? I mean, say, what can we do? What can we, though, rather say to those folks to help at least maybe help them see the light? Or are they a lost cause? Um, I don't think they're a lost cause. I think I think we and this is this is complex, even for me personally, I think we be we need to be um, open and empathetic to people who are willing to say, you know what, I was wrong, and you know a lot of friendships have been damaged um, at the personal level. Um, I I personally have have lost friends, even though I really tried not. It's hard for me to not engage people because they see what I do for a living, so they know yep. where I'm coming from. But <laughs> but I think you know it's hard Feel for anyone. That. <laughs> yeah. It's hard for anyone to say, wow, I really got that wrong, particularly when the consequences of getting it wrong um, have um, a human cost to it. But but I think honest people who were wrong, I think we should embrace them and say, I appreciate your honesty. Um, I'm not always right either. And and what we have to agree on is not that we screwed that one up, but let's never, ever, ever do this again. And that's the only reason I'm still harping on it. Um, obviously the, the damage is done. Um, but if you look at the, again, this Fauci article, he, he's both admitting his mistakes, but it's really a humble brag because all of his mistakes were the fact that we didn't comply enough. <laughs> and the solution is going to be to lock down earlier, to fund more and more of this, this pandemic industrial complex and to take all of these trial balloons that we did in 2020, 2021, 2022, and really ramp it up. And that, that is, it's unspeakably evil and we need to stop it. Matt, this episode has been a lot of doom and gloom, but I think we can paint a pretty picture here at the end of the episode, but maybe you can give us a chance to see some, I don't know, a white pill, some light at the end of the tunnel. What's something you've seen 
in the past three years that gives you hope that we maybe have some hope of getting liberty or the sense of, no, we can't let this happen again going forward to the future? I actually think in, in a strange way, this, this, that again, this is very much tied to pandemic, but but this censorship industrial complex coming from Homeland Security and the, and the government uh, security state, where they were literally sorting through our tweets to decide whether or not we were allowed to say something. I think that that is a wild and clumsy overreaction to the fact that there's a there's a revolution going on, and and we talk a lot about Joe Rogan, but if you look at the other comedians who have been willing to speak truth to power and have been uncancelable in this whole thing. You know, Dave Chappelle is an obvious example of that, but, but so is Bill Maher, my old nemesis. When I used to go on his show, he's, <laughs> he sounds more and more like, like you and I would on a lot of this stuff because yeah. he, he thinks that the, 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 the authoritarian left has gone crazy. So I happen to believe that, that free speech and particularly um, comedians might just save the world they can't stop us. It's like whack-a-mole. They keep trying to stop us. They keep trying to censor our speech. But you really can't stop people when they have that freedom. So I would be wildly optimistic about that. And and in a strange way, the the wildly un-American things that they were doing to try to, to try to stifle us tells me that we should just double down on that. And then I say some glimmer of hope too. And how about this? We'll go towards our final thoughts here. One thing you touched on, when you look at the, 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 the force that they tried to implement to get us to vaccinate, right? I forget the number of folks who got their first dose of the vaccine and then the second dose, but you go to the boosters and it drops off precipitously. And that tells me that at that point, there must have been enough people who said, yeah, this isn't what they sold it to be. And actually now I'm starting to question a lot of this nonsense that it gives me hope that there are people out there who are waking up. And you mentioned some comedians, man, as we go behind the paywall, I'm sure uh, folks had their ears tingling because maybe a comedian can save the Libertarian Party in 2024 and one Dave Smith. I'm going to get your thoughts there. But again, folks, if you want to hear Matt's answer, you're going to have to go ahead and subscribe to our Patreon, $1.99 a month. We'll include that link in the show notes. But Matt, that's my final thoughts. What do you have for us on your uh, your end? I know you'd mentioned something beforehand about comedy being murder. Talk to me more about that. Yeah, so we um this pursuing this this line of reasoning that comedy might in fact be the best way to open people's minds and to uh, embrace free speech, even uncomfortable speech. Uh, we've we've partnered with my old friend Lou Perez, um, the the libertarian comedian. Although I shouldn't say that he's just a comedian, and uh, and he is producing a new series with us called Comedy Is Murder, and the point is to say things that we're not allowed to say. The point is to use all the words, even if some people say that words are violent. And I think that the only way to solve problems, the only way to bring people together, the only way to work through these very difficult times that we've been through is to have robust, open, honest conversation about it. And and Lou does it with, and it's just brutally hysterical. And, and we've released the first in that episode Check it out. Comedy is murder. It's funny as hell. And you might even learn something. But the point is to be funny. Well, folks, that's a nice preview, by the way, because next week we're going to have Lou Perez here on the show as well. So I'll be asking him a little bit more in detail. But uh, with that being said, Matt, thank you so much 
for hopping on the show here on the uh, the main show. And uh, for the folks who are listening and they're saying, this Matt Kibbe guy, he sounds pretty uh, darn interesting. I want to go ahead and learn more. Where can they go ahead, follow you, but also subscribe to your podcast? Yeah, uh, check out Kibbe on Liberty. You can either subscribe to Blaze TV or you can watch it on Free the People's YouTube channel with no paywall. Uh, check out freethepeople.org and follow me particularly on Twitter if you like um, my spicy but hopefully thoughtful takes on things. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, uh, if you've enjoyed today's episode, well, do me a favor. Go ahead. Give it a share when you do. Tag yours truly at B Nichols Liberty. And by the way, we are over on YouTube. We are on Rumble. We are also on Sovereign. And by the way, I mentioned the uh, the Patreon where you can go ahead and find the entire episode, including the, uh, the amount we're going to go ahead and record here as we wrap things up, where I'm going to ask... Matt, you know, hey, 2024, Dave Smith, other libertarian, Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, you want to hear his answer, make sure you go ahead and become a supporting listener, or you can get a Sovereign exclusive where I'll air the episode in its entirety over on Sovereign. They are doing great work helping content creators like yours truly have a voice and make sure we are not going to be censored by the YouTube overlords, which I say very nicely right now because of course they have not yet gone ahead and nuked our channel but with that being said please go ahead make sure you support us over on those different mediums so uh, we always have a, a means to go ahead and reach back out to you folks but other than that yes this has been a very fun conversation and uh, folks if you would do me a favor please reach out to Matt Matt loves to hear from our audience here at the Brian Nichols show so if you go ahead subscribe to his awesome channel Kibby on Liberty just make sure you tell him that Brian sent you but with that being said, thank you for joining us. Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show for the one and only Matt Kibbe. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com.